What is someone going to tell me about my jump shot that I can't fix at this point? Unless it's Reggie Miller or Ray Allen. I don't know who I'm supposed to listen to. Larry Bird? Ah, Steve Kerr. I'll listen to Steve. Steve shot 45%. But other than that, it's like I've done this job for a long enough time. I know what I need to do. Durant. Middle. Right side. Clay. Takes a dribble. Now the three. Got it! An NBA record for Clay Thompson. 14 threes. I just knew I was due for a big night. I just knew it. Curry front court to Thompson off the screen. The three ball is good. Clay Thompson is on fire. Six for six from three. He's got 30 with 10 minutes to go in the third. Just having one of those nights. Yeah, his best percentage ever shot. Ball deflected. Draymond's got it to Clay. Left wing takes a three. Got another one. He's eight for eight. Well. He hadn't touched the ball in a few minutes, but he hasn't cooled off. When you got the hot hand, you're just looking for that little ounce of space because all you need is an inch or two, and that thing's just flicking off your wrist so easy, and it just happened to be one of those nights. Curry right. finds Thompson right side, loads up another one. Oh, are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. Ridiculous. Clay Thompson hit it from the sideline, 10 of 10 for three. I feel great, man. You don't set NBA records being frustrated, so I'm not going to go over here and dwell on missing a couple shots this early in the season. I'm just going to keep shooting, and they'll fall at a high clip. I guarantee that. I would love to be as confident in anything as Clay Thompson is about shooting the basketball. Donovan Bennett here, not as confident in my podcast hosting skills, but thank you for hanging with us. This dude is as confident in his ability to play ball. Tyler Ennis, man, have you ever felt in a zone like Clay is where his first 10 shots no issue just bottom nothing in that yeah I mean uh I think as a NBA player we all kind of went through that maybe not on the NBA level but I think when you're one of the best shooters ever uh definitely top in the league I'd say he uh experienced that a lot more than everybody else in the league but yeah like I you said exactly I think he's just super confident right now especially coming off all those championships the thing I love about him is he feels like no ways about taking any shot any situation early in the clock late in the clock he's just ice cold in terms of that but also like when he is ice cold there's no panic right like shooters shoot which is easy to say but when your shot is off for whatever reason to be able to have like that that confidence to be like yeah i'm gonna continue to let it fly has to be tough right i mean um i think when you just look at the law of averages whatever he's averaging from three and mid-range in his career, I think when he's going through a slump, at some point he's going to break out of it, and I think he knows that, especially through all the years where, you know, you'll see him have four or five bad games, and bad in Clay Thompson level is is still pretty good, but, you know, then you'll see him go for 50, 60 points in a, in a half or whatever he's doing nowadays. But, I mean, he's just, a, like I said, one of the best shooters ever, and I think uh, no matter how, how many games he goes through a slump, I think at any moment he could break out of it. When he was in that so-called slump, he's like, well, who can talk to me about shooting? Like, who, like when they were ask, the media was asking him, like, you know, is he going to ask for some advice or some help? He's like, well, what, Reggie Miller, Larry Bird? Like, those are the only guys who can really talk to me about my shot. And all those guys are like, man, keep shooting. Someone who may not want to keep shooting is Russell Westbrook. Who is, who is Russell Westbrook right now, unfortunately? And I bring him up not to crush on Russ, but to make the comparison to the Raptors point guard, Kyle Lowry, who's struggling. Like These are Westbrook's shooting numbers on the year. 23% catch and shoot. 37% pull up twos. 22% pull up threes. 65% from the free throw line. 49% in transition, and, and he kills people in transition. And his effective field goal percentage in the pick and roll is 44. He's not shooting the basketball well, and neither is Kyle Lowry, but the difference is when Lowry is not shooting it well, he's giving you other things. Right. He's giving you defensive intensity. He's second in the in the league uh, in assists for much of the, the year he was leading in assists. Just the gravity of knowing that he at any time can be a catch-and-shoot player helps everyone else in terms of spacing on the floor. That's not the, the case with Westbrook. Do you see, even though Kyle has, has struggled to impact the game, scoring the ball, him being able to, to impact winning in a way that Russ hasn't as you know, the Thunder have, have gone on a slide in the last five of the last eight? Yeah, I think um, what I noticed from Lowry lately is just him trusting others. I think that was something I didn't see 
last year and the years before was just that you'll see him and Fred play a lot together. He'll let Fred run the point and he'll he'll kind of spot up. But I think Lowry just brings a toughness and his leadership. So when he's out there, even if he's not scoring, you know, he's doing other things. He's defending, he's making plays. But I think just having him out there gives the Raptors a look that they're going to need deep in their playoff run. And I think that leadership and toughness and experience, because he's been there uh, however many years, you know, in a row. And I think that's something that the Raptors are really going to need down the stretch. But I think the the Raptors are really comfortable in where they are. I think they know they're going to beat a lot of teams, you know, whether Kawhi's playing or not, whether Lowry's playing, whether anybody, I think. And they have such a deep rotation now and, and so many experienced guys that I think they're kind of on cruise control, still winning games and just kind of making sure that Lowry's healthy, Kawhi's healthy, and everybody just kind of gets their rest throughout the season, but also they're continuing to win games. So I, I think uh, Russ is kind of figuring it out. Paul George is having an amazing season. And I think uh, he's a little bit, you know, teetering towards, you know, he was the guy for the last couple of years since KD left. And, uh, you know, I think he's he's kind of figuring it out or trying to figure it out that he has to have a balance. And, you know, I think that Paul George right now is probably the best option for them, scoring the ball. And I think Russ is able to do a lot of things. But, you know, the law of averages, like I said, he's he's had two amazing seasons back to back. He averaged a triple-double. And at some point, he's going to go through a slump. And I think he's going through that right now. Yeah, that worry I have for Russ, especially because he plays so hard, as you know, all of the time is well, look at his birth certificate, right? He's getting closer to the age of 30 right. as a point guard and playing all those heavy minutes and, and coming back from multiple injuries and, and low key Paul George has been a, a low key MVP candidate. He's right. a guy who's, who should start in the all-star game and be, a, you know, in the conversation for first team, all NBA and Russ, I just, he's a guy who plays so physical and at such a fast pace that if he loses just a little bit of a step, that really hurts his game in a way where with Kyle, I mean, Kyle's best weapon is his ass. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. his best weapon at times is not necessarily his, his speed or his elusiveness is his strength and his, his girth. And that that's not necessarily going away. Here's my concern though, with Kyle and not just to be a point guard pessimist on this episode is look across the league and look how people are winning. And Raptors had a tough game last week against Boston game. They had control of lost it late. And I look at around the league, and it was a crazy night in the league. Harden again went off for 50. Steph went off for 41. Kyrie, who had put up 43 against the Raptors the game prior, puts up 28 with 18 assists, but made all of the clutch plays as, as far as scoring the basketball late. I don't know if you can win at the highest level without not just a good point guard, without a scoring point guard, someone who's going to have the ball in their hands, going to be able to put up numbers, not every night. Steph only had 11 points last night, and but he had 12 assists, and, and Clay went off for 44. Right. But someone who has the capability to score in volume, and with Kyle's extended injury issues, I worry that late in the season, it will be ISO Kawhi everything, and, and Kyle won't be the guy to chip in 25, 30, 35, 40 points when you need it in today's NBA. Is that a legitimate concern? I think just by watching this year, I would say it would be. But from my experience, Kyle is still somebody that the Raptors could depend on down the stretch. And, you know, with his injury issues, I think that's played a part, but also bringing in a superstar. And it's been Kyle and DeMar's team for the last however many years. But bringing in Kawhi, I think he's made a concerted effort to make Kawhi a lot more comfortable right off the bat because he knows, you know, he's here for a year and then he's going to make a decision. And, you know, that window of a championship kind of closes if Kawhi leaves and you're not able to sign somebody of his caliber. So I think Kyle knows that. And obviously he wants to win a championship. And it was just him kind of making Kawhi comfortable, whether that's him taking a back seat, taking less shots and being more of a facilitator. But I think when... The playoffs come and teams are locked in on Kawhi. He's still going to get his numbers, but I think that's when you really see the the value of Lowry's contract and having an all star point guard. Technically, is uh, something that not every team has in the East, and you know you're going to need him in the in the playoffs and in the Eastern Conference Finals if they're able to get there. So I think he's struggling a little bit shooting the ball, but he's missed a lot of games, and I think it's very rare for a guy to miss that many games and come back and not miss a beat. So I wouldn't worry too much if I was the Raptors. I think. If you get closer to the end of the season and these injury issues are still happening, I think then it's something to worry about. But I think that's why you pay Van Vliet so much money is, Hmm. you know, a backup point guard is somebody who fill in when the point guard's either not playing well or injured. 
And I think uh, in, in Van Vliet, you paid him a lot of money. I think that's, you know, what his job is and he's doing a great job of it now. And another luxury is having DeLon Wright as basically a third point guard, but able to play the two is if Lowry's hurt, you know, at the end of the season, you still have two very good point guards on the bench to, to come in and hold it down. See, Kawhi has kept the usage rate for Kawhi is almost identical to the number of the usage rate of DeMar. So it's not like, oh, there's only one basketball, you know, Kyle can't get his shots and Kawhi can't. Kawhi's going to get his, right. especially the amount that they use him in isolation, especially the amount they use him in isolation late. So, like, he's going to eat. Don't right. worry about him. For me, an aggressive Kyle is a good Kyle. And a passive Kyle, he's not giving you as much value as he could. I want to see Kyle Lowry take some FU shots. Like, just some, like, 35 early in the shot clock shots just to get his rhythm. You know right. what I mean? Because he, he, to me, is someone who has to play a bit angry, right? Yeah, and I think, he, I think that's what, like you said, one of his best traits isn't his shooting or his whatever facilitating. I think his attitude and his approach to the game is what makes him Kyle Lowry, is what made him an all-star, what got him paid and everything like that. So I think I, that's, that's really why I'm not worried, just because he's not, obviously not getting any younger, but his mentality and the way he approaches the game how hard he plays, he's, you know, you never see him not guarding the best player uh, if it's a guard. And I think that's one of the things that made Kyle Lowry an all-star in the league. And I don't think he loses that by missing a few games, missing a few shots. I think, you know, when the going gets tough, you know, there's a lot of guys that are going to shy away from it. But I think he's going to be ready. He's had so much experience in the playoffs. So I think, you know, it's going to pay off uh, down the stretch for them. You're never worried. That's why your nickname is Iceman. <laughs> You're never worried. Are you worried about... Kawhi Leonard, who we are, full disclosure, taping this on a Tuesday. The Raptors are playing the Kings. He will not be playing. And it's one thing, okay, he's missed games here and there. The load management has been a conversation. But that conversation online, when you look at sportsnet.ca, you look at our, our Raptors articles, people are more and more commenting, worrying, commenting on Twitter, getting in the mentions about, okay, yo, where is this guy? Like, the kid gloves should be off by now. Nick Nurse talked about early in the fact that earlier in, in the calendar year, 2019, that yeah, soon you're probably going to see Kawhi play some back-to-backs. Not only have we not seen that, it's been the opposite. He sat out for the first time that wasn't a back-to-back in a game last week. Now he's missing another game after that. Are you concerned that either A, well, they're not telling us everything and that there's something else going on, or B, they are so, so, so afraid of offending or re-injuring Kawhi because they're auditioning basically for a year for his services for the next four to five years. Right. I think it boils down to a few things. One, we're still dealing with Kawhi who just basically sat out a whole year last year. And two, coming from San Antonio where they're known for the whole load management and resting guys and everything like that. So, you know, for him to to go from an organization that, prides themselves on guys being fresh for the playoffs, guys missing games for rest, and, and kind of managing that to going to the Raptors, where I think he's doing a lot more with the Raptors than he did in San Antonio. You know, because there's such a team-oriented offense, and defensively they play team basketball, whereas here it's a lot of isos. You know, to ask him to go from San Antonio, a team-oriented thing where he's resting and everything's kind of managed for him, to playing every game off a year where he wasn't playing at all. You know, so I think it's just a combination of them auditioning, obviously, for Kawhi services and, and kind of, you know, being very patient with him and, and everything like that. But I think it, it boils down to thinking long term. You know, they have Kawhi for the year. And I think the Raptors know the, the further they go in the playoffs, the more likely it is he stays. You know, if they make it to the finals and, you know, have a good run, I think it makes it really tough for Kawhi to, to leave that and go to a team uh, wherever else that's not in that position. And, you know, I think it's just uh, as fans, you don't realize how much the season wears down on you, especially, you know, I couldn't imagine his uh, going from not playing at all to playing 40 minutes a game, whatever it is now. So I think it's a combination of those two things. And I think as fans, you obviously get mad when these guys aren't playing. But if you're a real Raptors fan, I mean, they're winning games still. I mean, obviously you want to see the best players out there. They get paid to do that. But you know, at the end of the day, it's the playoffs that everybody remembers. And, and if he's doing this in the playoffs, I think it's a different conversation. And I think it's valid for people to, you know, question him and question his injury and whatnot. But I think if he's out there on a regular basis, if he misses 10, 15 games for the whole year, I think that's pretty good value for somebody, you know, that's playing and averaging the numbers he is. Yeah, the crazy thing is they're 9-2 and two without him in the lineup. Right. And 
the thing that might hurt his MVP candidacy is the fact that they've been so good when he hasn't played, when he's missed games, where you look at what James is doing. If you took him out of that that offense in in Houston, they wouldn't have an offense to speak of, right? Right. And and they've lost Capella, they lost CP, and they really haven't missed a, a beat in terms of scoring the ball. The thing, though, and I wonder... I wonder how much of it is a reaction to how things went south in San Antonio. Like, you know, if you're newly dating someone and and her ex rampantly cheated on her, him or her, you might have to give up the passcodes. Like, you might have to be (laughs) cognizant of of what their situation is. And with the Raptors, when you know that he, even though he hasn't really spoken on it, but based on the reporting, when you know that he felt some type of way about his management from a health perspective, the fact that he was misdiagnosed, the fact that he felt rushed to play again when he felt he wasn't right. And then when there was like a survivor tribal council where everyone in the locker room got together and said, man, you need to start playing and start to pressure him. I almost feel like they're trying to revert in course, correct the total opposite way. And Mm -hmm. like, listen, we know this is a big year for you, not just on the court, but free agency. We're here for you. We got your best intentions at heart. And we're not trying to push you whatsoever. They're really trying to make it known that like, we don't just see you as a, as a business. We value you and value your health. Yeah. And I think another thing to look at is he's in a contract here. Mm-hmm. Technically. I mean, I think everybody knows Kawhi is going to get the money he asked for, no matter if it's with the Raptors or another team. But if he's coming off a situation, like you said, where he feels like he was misdiagnosed and, and misused, then obviously he's going to take the conservative route in making sure his body's moving the right way. Everything's, working out for him because at the end of the day he has to get paid at the end of this year and he's going to look out for his best interest as long as you know the Raptors are continuing to win and I think if the Raptors were losing a few games when you know if it was the opposite they were two and nine when when he was sitting out I think he would play a lot more of those games but um there's really no rush for him to play back-to-backs if the Raptors are nine and two if you know the team's playing well and the chemistry's good then you know I think the Raptors are fine with him sitting out you know as far as them keeping a, a, a top spot in the East, I think they're on the way to do that. And whether he plays or not, you know, I think in the playoffs is more important. So I see the relationship from the front office and then making sure that, you know, we're, we're good, you know, we're checking in with Uncle Dennis all the time, making sure we're straight. And the medical staff then being like, well, yo, you're not going to have our name come out your mouth talking sideways about us <laughs> the way you did about everyone in San Antonio. Alex McKechnie and his group is like, we want to make sure that you're good and you're, you're singing our praises. But the culture of a locker room is different, right? You, mm-hmm. you got to eat what you kill. People don't care where you were drafted, how much money you're making. It's what do you bring to this practice, to this shoot around, to this game. And when you got a back-to-back situation with Kyle, who was told he wasn't playing, and somehow he ended up in that lineup, which to me means he said, I'm playing. Mm-hmm. So lay the jersey out, I'm playing. Back-to-back after a game against Boston that went to overtime. Between those two games, he played 90 minutes. Got Fred Van Vliet, a guy who started 15 games this year. Some of them in the stead of Kawhi, this guy who never started a game before. He's playing more minutes than he ever has in in his life. And he's dealing with, with some back issues. Is there a point when the other guys in the locker room are like, come on, bro, you're physically one of the strongest guys on this team. If we're playing and doing everything, don't you got to kind of meet us halfway and do everything? I think as NBA players, we're not immune to what the media is talking about. And I think everybody on the Raptors knows the situation with Kawhi. I think they know the Raptors are trying to do everything to keep him because that changes the, you know, where the franchise is going in the next five years and beyond. So I think, you know, sometimes as NBA players, you look and realize that something is higher than you. You know, I don't think the players are coming in saying, hey, Kawhi, we need you to play tonight. I think they realize that Kawhi and the front office are going to do what they're doing and you know, you got to kind of mind your business in that sense. But I think um, they have such a deep team. They're more looking at it, and I would look at it this way, is that, you know, with Kawhi sitting out, that lets C.J. Miles get some more run and get more comfortable. If, you know, Lowry sitting out, that lets DeLon Wright and Van Vliet get more comfortable and get more minutes. And I think they, they have such a deep team. They have guys to fill in. It's not like Kawhi sitting out and they don't have anybody to play at the small forward at the four spot. I think when he's sitting out, they have a bunch of guys that can fill in, Norman Powell, whoever else they, they bring in is able to come in and, and keep the same level of play up. And I think that's the main thing that fans should look at. And also that I think that the Raptors are realizing that, you know, they're kind of proving that Kawhi makes them, you know, takes them to the next level, but they're 
they have a good enough core and a good enough roster that if he's sitting out, they're able to, to, to continue to win. So when often players default, and I don't really blame them, blame you, because you, you are one still, is they don't give us much in the media because there's, there's no win, right? If, mm. we, if we say something, if you say something to us controversial, then that could be a net negative. But if you just keep it super cliche, then everyone's just going to keep it moving. Abaka said something to me that surprised me, not to me personally, but it surprised me. He said, oh, no, we need Kawhi to stay. Mm-hmm. We all need Kawhi to stay because if Kawhi doesn't stay, we all might be gone. Oh, like, absolutely. They, they might change this whole situation. Absolutely. And for him not only to recognize that, but then to vocalize it, to me, meant a lot. And, and to your point, it shows that even in the in a locker room where everything is supposed to be equal, everyone mm-hmm. really, really knows the pecking order. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think every team knows that. And I think if you don't know that is when you see that teams aren't good. You know, I think on the Raptors, they know Kawhi is, you know, the one. They know Lowry's next. And then everybody else kind of falls below that. And that's not saying that they get to do whatever they want and play the games they want. But I think they know these guys are getting paid this money for a reason. And when it comes down to it, there's a game-winning shot in the NBA Finals. Those are the guys that they're going to go to unless somebody's hot. And, you know, you kind of know that. And I think teams are better when they realize the roles. And, you know, they have a pretty veteran group, I think, the Raptors. So I think they kind of realize, you know, what it is. They brought in... Greg Monroe to be an insurance and I don't I think he want to play a lot more minutes when he's out there he's productive but he knows you know in the playoffs if somebody goes down Valanchunas or Ibaka they're going to call on him he got to be ready and that's just what it is I think there's very few guys on each team that are happy with their role I think everybody thinks they could do more everybody thinks they could do more with more minutes but at the end of the day you got to go out there and prove it and you got to kind of wait your turn and I say that just because Norman Powell went from playing a lot to not playing, and now he's back in the rotation and playing well. So that's just what the NBA is, unless you're an all-star superstar where you're going to get your 40, 45 minutes a night, 35, whatever it is. I think everybody else kind of just gets in where they fit in and makes the most of it. You mentioned Norman Powell. He is playing well and playing more. Thus, his name is in trade rumors, right? That's kind of how it works. You want to sell an asset high, not sell it when it's low. Right. He's signed for three more years at 10 mil a year. The other guys who are in trade rumors would be CJ Miles because he's there isn't a definite pathway for him to play here in Toronto, given that Kawhi is here and playing well and OG is, is a bit younger and a bit cheaper. And Miles, you know, two games in a row with 13 points after being a DNP CD mm. for what felt like a month straight. DeLon Wright's the other guy whose name's been rumored a bit. He's a guy who's going into restricted free agency. You've got two other guards. He hasn't necessarily been as impactful as Fred and hasn't been bad, but just has been kind of steady. Mm-hmm. Do you see the Raptors potentially uh, making a move at the deadline with, with some of their surplus backcourt players? That's tough. I think it's a delicate balance, and a lot of people don't realize how important the locker room is. And you have a team who's one of the best and sometimes they're playing the best like they're the best team in the league and you know you can make a trade and that can mess up the whole chemistry which basically messes up the product on court so you know I think the Raptors are going to look at what can take them to the Eastern Conference or the NBA Finals and make the moves that they think is necessary to get them there but at the same time I don't think they're going to risk making a, a, a small move to mess things up just because the chemistry is working they're winning games you know, they basically want to have, you know, the best product on the floor for the fans and for themselves, but also for Kawhi to keep him. And, you know, I think uh, DeLon Wright is, you know, I think he's doing what he has to do for the team. He's there. He's steady. He's playing the backup spot when, you know, Larry's out and whatnot. But I think he's heading into free agency and paying Larry all that money and paying Fred Van Vliet. I don't think they're willing to shell out the cash that he's looking to get when free agency rolls around for a, a guy who's playing the backup two when Fred and, and him are playing together, but also as technically the third point guard. So, you know, I think it's just an interesting, sometimes you have to look at, you know, the payroll because at the end of the day, that's kind of what it's most about. You know, when you when you look at a GM and an owner who's shelling out all this money, it's tough to just continue to pay this luxury tax. And obviously that's a deeper conversation, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors stayed pat, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they made a big move just because they have so many assets and, you know, guys on pretty good contracts. And I think uh, those guys... Uh, Norm and DeLon and, you know, a couple of the others, I think those are the guys that are more likely to go rather than, you know, the starting five. You say big move. There's one name that's been linked to them in terms of big move, Beal. Yeah. 
you're looking at giving up two, potentially three players, potentially a pick, trading away some of that depth that you have that is your advantage over a Philly, mm-hmm. over a Milwaukee, for another all-star and having more high-end talent like Philly. Boston is kind of the only team that has both. Yeah. And they've struggled to really balance both out. Mm-hmm. Would you be a proponent of giving away what's left of the bench mob and some future assets for Beal and bring him into this situation? Absolutely. I think the situation they're in makes it more unique. I think they're on the whole Kawhi one-year rental, and I think bringing in Beal locks him in for I think another two or three years after this year. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you a all-star two for the next two or three years. And, you know, I would be careful, obviously, giving up their draft picks and whatnot, just because I think if Kawhi leaves, like Ibaka said, the whole team might change. And I think giving up whatever it be, I'd keep the starting lineup. But I think anybody else is kind of uh, up for grabs. If I was the GM of the Raptors, just because you get Beal for another two or three years, this year it turns you, you know, into a team that now has an all-star one, all-star two, all-star three, and a bunch of other pieces that, you know, fit in well. So, you know what? I think a lot of the Raptors fans I've seen on Twitter and, and talking that they wouldn't give up whoever it may be in these draft picks. But I think Bradley Beal is a guy without John Wall that's averaging, whatever, 30 and 10 every game. And I don't think you can grab that in free agency. And I think a lot of thing, another thing is the Raptors are so good at developing their young talent. A lot of the guys in the Raptors now were drafted or, or came to the Raptors at a young age. So, you know, you give up a OG or a, a guy that's super young and on a great contract. But, you know, I think the front office has proved they're able to draft guys who they think is has talent and also develop them. I think, forget what, about what he does on the court and he gives you that high-end talent. He defends his position, obviously he's, gives you addition as far as three-point shooting, which has been an issue. To me, I think it helps the culture and that would sound weird. Well, he's, he's had beef with his point guard for the last couple of years. Washington has been a bit of a mess. How does it help the culture? I think it helps in relation to what Serge said, that, man, they might burn this place down. Mm-hmm. Kawhi leaves. Well, Beal, given extra years on his deal, gives everyone a little bit of insurance. Right. I think he stabilizes them a little bit. Yeah. Because even if Kawhi does walk, you now have Lowry, you have Beal, you still have the bench, you still have whoever's left the bench for outside of who you gave up for him, but you also have the picks and you have money now mm-hmm. because Kawhi left and, and you're able to sign one, two, whatever you want, you know, uh, guys that are free agents. So I think that actually gives them another option, to, you know, to continue in with this run and continue keeping Lowry or, or the whole team together. But I think if Kawhi leaves, I think there's a risk of them not starting over, but kind of looking at a whole different core and whole different team, you know, starting next year. And then you go and say to Kawhi, okay, well, yo, where are you going to have it better? Right. We can give you more money. We can give you a, a squad right. to play with, two other all-stars to play with, but you're still the top dog. Right. So what other situation is better than that? If it's finances, we got you. Mm-hmm. If it's on the court, we got you. Golden State cannot win forever. Yeah. At some point, they're going to start to fall apart, even though it seems like the Patriots can kind of win forever. <laughs> we talk about trade deadline and get at us. Online at Donovan Bennett at Tyler Ennis players that you think might look good in a Raptor uniform. Obviously, everyone would love to see Beal in red and white. We're going to continue to talk about the deadline moving forward, closer to it. So we'll, next week we're going to get into some players that could be acquired and that may make sense here in Toronto. But before we wrap this show, I just want to pick your brain about what leading up to the deadline is like. What yeah. these days are like. CJ Miles, who was a DNP CD for a minute, and then all of a sudden he's playing. I wonder if he's like, Yo, are you shopping me? Like, what, <laughs> I, why all of a sudden am I getting these, this burn? Yeah. And from a teammate perspective, are you looking at guys being like, oh, all of a sudden he's getting extra shots up? All of a sudden he's real attentive in the meeting room? Mm. Why is he on his best <laughs> behavior? Does his agent know something about what might happen with him? So what is it like leading up to trade deadline? Because never being... Part of it, I almost wonder if it's almost like people listening to this podcast, everyday employees, getting close to when a business is about to make cuts and they know that layoffs are coming. Right. It's a very weird time. I'll say that the teams I've been on, outside of me being on the Suns, where we knew we were making a lot of trade just because guys were publicly asking for trades and, you know, they were promised, all right, we'll get you a new spot. And they told us that. There was a year in Milwaukee where we thought everybody was gone and we made no moves. There was times where we thought nobody was going and everybody. So I think as a player, 
you're in such a different world and different bubble than the people I would say that are just fans and on Twitter reading all these things because, you know, I think you see it as a player, but you really don't know what's going on until it happens. And you could talk to your agent and your agent may give you a little information, but at the end of the day, the front office is going to make a decision and you could hear it. You could be almost ready and packing your bags and they could tell you, I've heard countless guys tell me, all right, they told me to pack my bags and I'm going to this team. And at the end of the day, it falls through. And so it's a it's a really weird time. I think you're a lot more safe when you know the team's winning outside of the fact that, you know, you have an expiring contract or things like that. But it's just a, a weird time because you don't know what's going to happen. You may think you're going to be on your way out to this team and it might not happen. I think I remember Lowry almost going to the Knicks and, and basically being told, I think somebody told me it's a done deal. He's going. And, you know, he's been here another, what, four years after that? However long he's been here. So I think it's just... A time, I think everybody's walking on eggshells. If you're, you know, a middle of the pack team or a, a, a bad team, I think when you're Golden State, the Raptors, Boston, and, you know, Boston might be an exception just because they have a bunch of guys who are, you know, kind of in the line to get paid in the next year or two. I think um, you're kind of a little bit more safe just because you know teams aren't going to mess with the locker room that much unless it's a guy that's an all star who could really take you to the next level. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that deal was done and James Dolan was just like, nah, I don't trust Masai. He fleeced me on the Bargnani deal. I'm not dealing with this guy. If he calls, screen the call. I'm not I'm not picking up the phone. And that and that's why the deal fell apart. Because yeah. he was burned. Kind of the way, you know, a bunch of teams should not pick up the phone when Danny Ainge calls. <laughs> the Knicks were like, no, Masai has done this to us if really and truly twice. Because the Nuggets won the Carmelo deal, if we're looking back at it mm-hmm. over time. That Nuggets team made the playoffs in a faster and deeper way than the Knicks ever did. And then obviously we know that the Raptors won the Bargnani deal. I really hope that they don't make a deal unless it's Beal. I see the Raptors being a a team in the buyout market. Got a roster spot to play with. Got some two-way guys who can just be stashed in the G League um, with 905. I I could see them being a a buyout market team. I do think that CJ Miles, if he got some run, like could have a big playoff moment in him i think Uh, yeah it's tough because he has such good value i think in today's game he's able to space the floor i think any team i think that's why the raptors will hold on to him just because you could put him in and whether he's making shots or not you got to respect him mm -hmm. and that gives Kawhi a lot more room that gives the guards more room that gives ibaka more room and i think that's something a lot of fans don't realize is whether he's making shots or not he's known for a shooter that's what his job is in the nba and he could sit in that corner and whoever's on him isn't going to leave because they know he could get hot any moment. And that's what his value is. You know, I think if he's making shots, he's a lot better. But, you know, I think he's a, a piece the Raptors could use down the stretch as well. Plus, if they move him, those GoDaddy, CJ's, PJ's commercials that I love would have to, I assume, go away. There I don't know what, what the contract <laughs> says, but we're going to actually talk to CJ later in, in this episode about those PJs, about his game, um, his philanthropic work. So stick around for that before... We let Tyler go. I'm actually gonna get something off my chest. I'm a little I'm a little cheesed <laughs> that a Raptor is not leading in all star voting in the East. People talk about, oh, you know, is Toronto a small market relative to New York or LA or the Bay? No, it's not, because it's a country. Mm-hmm. There are thirty six million people right. in Canada. So the the time when we we bumped up the numbers and got Lowry into the All Star game and people have done it in baseball for Josh Donaldson. If there is someone who's worthy, I'm not saying, you know, we should have scrubs starting in the All-Star game, but Kawhi Leonard is is going to start. He's going to be a starter, but I don't understand how he doesn't have more votes than Giannis, who's from Milwaukee, mm-hmm. right? Like, Wisconsin can't be outvoting an entire country. So, Raptors.com slash NBA vote. Like, Raptors fans, handle your business. We need to rectify that real quick. I don't know if the TV of Kawhi picking the team would be as interesting. (laughs) Like it might be some unintentional comedy, but nonetheless, I feel like they should really be flexing the we, the North muscles because real talk. I do believe if we're talking about selling this franchise from an organization, part of it is selling things like that, that you're playing in front of an entire country that you're going to be able to brand yourself in front of an entire country that those new balance jumpsuits that you got that new new is going to be shown in front of an entire country. So I I do think that matters. And that's how fans, other than going to the games and watching on TV and listening to pods like this, make sure you rate and review. That's how they help all stars though. And we're going to have the all star starters. And I mean, 
a bunch of people have Luka Doncic starting, you know, based on the votes, which is kind of crazy. Even Derrick Rose is close to starting based on the votes, which lets you know that fans don't really know that much. But my all-star starters, and correct me where I'm wrong, in the West, I think the guards is, I mean, it's easy, right? Steph and Harden should be the guards. Right. Any any issues there? No. Agreed. Forwards, I think, is where it gets tricky. Who's your center? Is it AD, who people kind of pencil in there at the beginning of the year? But the Nuggets have a much better record tough, yeah. than that's the Pelicans. A, that's the tough part. So where do you go at center and then forwards? Is LeBron, I mean, how can he not start an all-star game, but he's missed time? PG has had this great year, but KD has just been right. same old KD. Who would be the three starters out forward for you? Tough, really. I think LeBron, obviously, that's the given. I think KD, probably, because mm-hmm. what are they, ranked first, second? They're top four in, in the West every year, obviously. And then it's really a toss-up between AD, obviously, having a, a great year. He's missing time now. Uh, Joker just have an amazing year, and I think he's in the running for MVP, so he has to be up there. And then uh, Paul George. And so I think it's any combination of those, what is it, four guys, I think guys will be be fine with. I think uh, LeBron, James, and Steph are the, the three locks I'd have. But honestly, if I had to, I'd probably go Paul George and Jokic, honestly, just because if, if we're talking about them in the MB, MVP race and then, you know, you're putting other guys over them to start in the All-Star game, I think that's ridiculous. And I think the NBA's made that mistake sometimes with, uh, I think uh, when Marc Gasol won Defensive Player of the Year, and he wasn't on the all defensive team, right? You know things yeah. like that. So I think it's just uh, kind of realizing when guys are having amazing years, like Jokic, and not just kind of penciling in Anthony Davis right off the bat, even though he's worthy of it. But you know, kind of realizing that other guys are, are playing as well. Yeah, and these, this will be rectified. They're all going to the game after the vote, which is fifty percent fan vote, twenty five percent players voting. And you guys are wrong, man. I also I also don't agree with the players vote. They just vote for their homies. You vote for your homies. You also vote. You in the NBA, you're gonna have guys you don't like. So yes. if, if if me and whoever me and LeBron have Embiid, yeah, you know it's it's I'm not gonna vote for him, right, and, and yeah. my vote counts. And I think you know it's just who do you go for? Because then the coaches have beef with certain players and teams, yeah. but then you don't get you can't give the fans a hundred percent. No, then you also can't give it to the media. So I yeah. mean it's 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 just really tough. I think. If you put those four together, maybe 25 fan, 25 media, 25% to the players, and then maybe coaches, I think you might be able to Ooh, get the best product. Because, yeah, right now, coaches just, they have 100% of the reserves, mm-hmm. but none of the starters. But the starters are, as I said, 50% fans, 25% media, 25% players. But I actually like what you did there and make it a quarter and make it for the whole roster. Right. And, and not just the starters. Right. So then, you know, you, you're able to pick the starting lineup. You know, and then you're also able to pick the reserves where now you're you're voting in as a fan, you're voting in your favorite player who might not be playing better than an Anthony Davis, right. a Jokic or whatever. And and if you're the most popular or you come from a country that's able to to get behind you and vote for you in, into being a starter, you know, you're taking a spot away from not to say that anybody is, but, you know, you're taking a spot away from somebody like Paul George or Jokic who is having an, an MVP caliber season. So it, it's it's just a really tough dynamic. And. You know, there's really no way to, to police it other than kind of splitting it up between four people. The West can be real interesting when it comes to the reserves because, I mean, you got a guy like Clay who really struggled at some points, but also had a game where he set the record for threes made and this, had a game where he set the record for consecutive threes made and his team is in first place. Right. So is he not an all-star? I mean, Russ, who I'm telling you right now, Jordan Brand is going to have a, a Russ all-star colorway. Yeah. <laughs> they expect him to be there. But, I mean, his shooting numbers have been down, but his team success has been, been pretty up, high. Right. So, is he not there? In the East, I think, there's just less real good players, so it's less of a conversation. My backcourt is Kyrie, and I, it's, I'm going to give the nod to Kemba. It's in Charlotte. It's he's, had a, he's had a monster year, so, so that's my, my backcourt. Embiid is my center, mm-hmm. no questions asked. And then, to me, it's Giannis and it's Kawhi. To me, the East is a little bit easier. easier. Mm-hmm. It's just then when you look at the reserves, a guy like Wade is actually starting when you look at the fan vote. Is that going to carry him into being in the game, especially when some other players will say last year, I'm going to give him the nod. I want to see him go out 
you know, with an all-star. The reserves will get real interesting. Because when you look at the numbers on reserves, someone like Pascal Siakam could be in the game based on just numbers. Right. Because there are big guys like a John Wall who's hurt in the East hasn't really been as strong as far as individual performances. You you see any difference in starters that I had? No, I totally agree. The only only spot I think that is up for grabs is the two with Kemba. But it being in Charlotte, him having such a good year, I think it's a given. But, you know, I think a guy that could fill in would be the, like a Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. who, who's basically out there without his all-star point guard, you know, playing well. So I think it's just, uh, I think that, that five is great. I think it's the reserves that, you know, with Jimmy Butler there, Ben Simmons, a bunch of guys who could be put in, but also could miss the game just off of uh, whoever, you know, the player and the, the coach as well. Well, you are an all-star podcast co-host. <laughs> Appreciate you coming through, Thank dropping you. the knowledge. Luckily, you don't have to sweat out trade deadline this year. Yeah, no. You're going to be breaking it down with us, so appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So not many people know this, but I know and pay attention because this stuff fascinates me. But at the beginning of the year, there's a draft. Not for fantasy players, but for games, for sports games. We, Sportsnet, are rights holders. So we, our execs, get in a room. They pick the games that we want. They go up against our competitors. They pick the games that they want. So they set up the schedule. Make sure you're watching Sportsnet 1 for all your Raptors coverage. But then after that, they have a secondary draft. And it's not for Raptors games. Those are done. They're for Warriors games. That's how popular the Warriors are. So we pick as many Warriors games as we can get on that aren't in conflict with Raptors games. Then there's a draft for games for the rest of the league. Our NBA schedule is super deep. We won that draft. Now, you can watch them, obviously, on TV. But also, if you are away from the house at the cottage, you watch them with Sportsnet now. We have so much basketball, it's stupid. The homies, Danielle Michaud, Brendan Dunlop, and Faisal Camisa, when they're doing Sportsnet Central, a bunch of times they're doing shows for like half an hour because it's in between a doubleheader of coverage, whether it's an early game and then a late game. So make sure 24-7 access to Sportsnet channels is what you desire. We got you covered on the Apple TV, on the Xbox, on the Chromecast. We won the draft. The amount of basketball stuff here is stupid. You can live stream NBA matchups, Raptors matchups, whenever you want, all the way to the finals. That might have the Raptors in them. Oh, yeah, and we have, like, MLE postseason, the World Series, and 500 or so NHL games. But it's the basketball games that you're here for. you got to get Essen now to get them. Hand down, man down. I've never actually vocalized those words. I don't think CJ Miles has either because he's more of a silent assassin. But I wish that he would, because his shot looks like it's back. Kicks out to Miles for three. CJ does it again. And he's back on free association. I want to talk to him about the shot, about the PJs, about his hometown, about him being a daddy. CJ Miles comes through to give us some knowledge. Miles triple, trying to tie it up, and he does. CJ's, PJ's, no jinx, no more. So you've seen CJ Miles on the court dropping threes you also seen him in commercials in between dropping some pjs on us is cj's pjs he's the newest GoDaddy guy thanks cj at what point were you like okay jv you've had your turn norm you've had your turn okay now let me hold that let me see how i can do with the acting game i i, I don't i don't it just kind of came about i didn't really think about it that way even though mine is way better than both of theirs but that's just, you know, me being biased um, but it, it's been great. It's been fun. And the money that is, goes to charity, Boys and Girls Club, why was that important for you to, to make it part of the initiative? Just because me growing up and being a part of Boys and Girls Club in Texas and, and knowing what they did for me and knowing what they can do, and I think the more fun that we can have for the youth, for the things they can be able to you know, help them do with, with anything, whether it be helping them through school activities or after school activities or different things to help them learn and progress and anything to keep them from trouble, which is the biggest thing it did for us when I was growing up. And I think that that idle time is, is dangerous when you don't have anywhere to be. You've got your own little girl now. Is that the reason why you're getting no sleep is because you got the youngster running around? I mean, 
she's starting to sleep through the night now, but I, you definitely go through a, a long string of months with no, <laughs> with no sleep, especially with the schedule we already have. And then, you know, you want as much time with her as you can because you spend so much time on the road and back and forth with things like that. So, but it's, it's, she's been a blessing, man. She's a light for sure. How has she changed you? Like I always say this, and I try not to make it sound like I was a terrible person before before I had a child. But once you have a child, you really it really puts a, a magnifying glass on your steps. Like you know, someone is really watching. Like I'm her main source of information and and how to conduct herself and how to act, how I talk to people, how I treat a mother, how I talk to my mother, how I talk to my father. Like these things that seem little to us over time, but now every conversation she's around and she sees it. And it starts from day one. People think because she's not talking and she's young and things like that, it really doesn't matter. All that stuff weighs in on, on a child from day one. I believe that. Even though, you know, her parents are American, you embrace the fact that your daughter was born here and, and she's Canadian. 100%. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a part of her. It's, I mean, a part of us forever now. And it wouldn't be fair for us, you know, not to have that be a part of her life because that's a part of who she is. That's awesome. I'm looking for her on that Canadian women's national team in 2040. Um, hey. <laughs> hopefully she can, yeah, she can shoot threes and leave the hand up just like that. <laughs> change for the team this year. And as far as different guys rolling in with the starting lineup, that's a change with nurse. So the bench mob is, is not really together. Uh, and you no longer are bench dad as you were <laughs> last year. Has that, has that been a different mindset for you and for the guys? It's been different, you know, and that's part of the game. We understood that. We knew that coming into the season it was going to be different, obviously, with different players coming in. And um, there was a chance that, you know, the bench mile could not be together anymore. I mean, we lost one guy anyway, so we knew it was going to be a little different. But it's about growth and it's about us being the best we can be. And we had to trust the coaching staff to put guys in positions to make us the best team we can be. You know, that's part of being a professional and part of being a teammate. And everybody's ultimate goal is to win. So if it's going to help us win, which we are doing, nobody can be upset about that. From the outside looking in, it seems to be the biggest change between Coach Case and, and Coach Nurse. But you're around both guys. What is the biggest change? I think Case was definitely a little cut from the old school cloth, obviously. He had a lot of that mentality left in him, which which definitely helps when you're starting the foundation because you need that. You need the foundation of it is still playing hard. It's still playing the right way. still doing the, the same things. I think Nick biggest thing is he, he likes to play with the lineups. He's not afraid to, uh, not that case was, but case was still learning to do that. And I think he's doing it more in Detroit, but just, you know, playing a small ball game, playing a faster game, adapting to the, the three point shot, being a big part of it and all the things like that. And nurse, was already kind of ahead of that, which is what made our offense what it was last year because Nurse was in, in charge of that. So they're both in their own manner, great coaches. It's been fun playing for both of them. And, and, and now I'm here with Nick and we're doing a great job. I mean, everyone talks about the acquisition of Kawhi, but Danny has been such a great acquisition that's been slept on as well. With the catch and shoot prowess of the two of you, I just wonder what practice is like with you guys having shooting competitions afterwards. Like, is that a thing between the two of you guys? Is, does money get kind of bet on? Um, we haven't we haven't bet on anything, but as always, you know, all the drills we do, we definitely keep an eye on all the numbers and guys go. We go back and forth and uh, have our days of going head to head. And he's got some wins. I've got some wins, but uh, it's definitely fun to have a guy that that's going to push you every time. You're in a shooting drill with them, and that's why we tend to kind of gravitate towards each other because you want that. It's only going to make you better. You it was kind of like the same way I was. Like, I learned a lot from Kyle Corbin when we were in Utah together. Like, even though I knew he was going to beat me at the time, like, I always wanted to shoot with him because I knew it was going to push me to shoot the ball the best I could to have a chance. Yeah, you need that that wrestling belt at the end of practice. 100%. Um, 100%. And we started this with CJ's PJs, and people go can go to cjspjs.ca to get theirs. I wonder, again, because rest and sleeping and, you know, back-to-backs and three games and four nights is such a big conversation in the NBA. What is your routine around getting more rest? Are you a nap guy? Are you a gotta-get-my-eight-hours guy? How how do you impart the sports science of it all into your everyday life? I'm definitely a nap guy. You know, uh, I try to get one on on game day. Like you said, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the rest. And then now there's study behind it with the good night's sleep, you know, what it's done for athletes for injury prevention and all the things for the the strength of your, your focus for the games and all those things. And I think that's the biggest thing that we've tried to add over the last couple of years as far as the rest out of it. 
I mean, it's been helpful to have the information. Are you an early riser, attack the day guy, or are you a, I'm pressing the snooze button, getting this in? Okay. Um, depends on the day, I think. Um, I've gotten better, like, like I said, with the birth of my child, to be able to um, to deal with it. But, but I also go to bed earlier because of her, too. So it's worked out. It's evened out. Right. And we're here because you've got your own pajama line. Do you actually yes, wear pajamas? Yes, we have a pajama line. Which is, which is next level. Are you actually a pajama guy? Like, do you, do you, do you wear pajamas? Now I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I do, you know, since we're doing the CJCJ thing, which has been, you know, it's been great. You know, it's been an opportunity, you know, for, with the partnership with GoDaddy, just to help people and, and see that the tool that GoDaddy is for small businesses. Like, they've been able to, help expand a lot of things and everybody knows the internet is the greatest place for you to be able to do that. And with CJ's PJs and everything that we're doing with that has been amazing. And, and it's definitely pushed me into maybe I'll become a pajama connoisseur. I don't know. Maybe I'll make some more stuff. Maybe we do a lot more stuff. So who knows? Got it. We'll have to watch. And before I let you go, you know, there's people sleep differently and, and I've heard athletes talk about, you know, dreaming of things in their sleep that actually happened in the game and kind of visualizing it. Jerry Rice would say he saw plays in his dreams before they actually happened. Is that actually true? Like, is that something that, that happens that it, that manifests in, in your sleep and then it happens and you see situations on the court? I definitely think that uh, the mind is, is, is very powerful. And I think you can manifest things through meditation and concentration on things and, and you know, having yourself prepared for those moments. I think that's where that comes from. I think it stems from that first. I think I don't think you can have the dreams if it's not something that's heavy on your mind, heavy something that you practice and, and meditate and concentrate on. So I, I definitely believe in it. Thank you for the time, man. I'm an internet shopper, and I'm a, the type of dude who, as soon as I get home, I need to put on something super comfortable. So, so I'll be rocking some CJ's yeah, we got the We got the right thing for you. All right. Appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for the time. No problem, man. Thanks a lot. So that's it. Another episode of Free Association is in the books. We are going to keep them going steady right through to the playoffs. So thank you for the love and and continue to show it. We see you on Twitter. Thanks again to the homie Tyler for coming through. He was in New York meeting with a surgeon, made sure as soon as he got off the plane, came through to talk some ball. And we appreciate that. If you appreciate him, let him know. At Tyler Ennis is his handle. Emil, behind the wheels of steel, his handle is at a man. Delich, A-M-A-N-D-E-L-I-C. I don't know who has at Emil Delich or if he's just trying to be difficult and different, which wouldn't be a surprise. But either way, he's the one who's got the great music and makes me sound better than I am with the great edits. So hit him up as well. And as you know, at Donovan with two N's, my parents are difficult. So they decided to spell Donovan different than everybody else. Thank you again for the love. Like, subscribe, share. And most importantly, do what you're doing right now. Listen, this is Free Association. Thanks for listening.